Okay, it's nine twenty, so we're yaitza being late. Right? Okay. Um, so let's see. I have to see a lot of people here. I don't call anybody. Oh, that's why you're sitting up there. I'm gonna call on you guys. David, right? I need to know names. And what's your name again? Chaim Zev. I'll be work. And your friend there? First name, first names. We don't want the, the government doesn't have to find out everything about <laughs> Okay. Um, thank you for coming. I was asked to speak about Inyonim. Well, I teach at Asia Torah. I was asked to speak about Inyonim that would, uh, would make a difference to, from Eilam. So th- I'm in my 30th year in Asia Torah. Way back at the beginning, um, my first year or two at Eshet Torah, I got involved in teaching the Discovery Seminar, the evidence that God gave the Torah. And after learning that material, after learning that material, keep an eye on I said to Reb I said, this is amazing stuff. I didn't know this material. Nobody I know knows. It's unbelievable stuff. Forget about fryy people. Forget about reformed Jews, secular. Should teach this to from people. And without banning an eyelash, she said, nah, it's way too hard to be Makar from people. <laughs> First, we have to work on, we'll practice. We'll practice on the reform and the secular. When we get good, we'll, we'll uh, teach, we'll try to get the conservative. You know what a conservative Jew, you heard, conservative Jew. Conservative Jew is a reformed Jew who thinks he's orthodox. So, oh, them, that's hard. But then the hardest thing is talking to orthodox Jews. In fact, we'll probably have to be of him by telling him we're going to teach you how to be of other Yidin. So it must be that we got good at it already. Because it's very disturbing. Um, so the fact that uh, involved in teaching a lot to a lot of uh, from people tells you, I guess we're getting good at it. So I'd like to explain five basic points that deal with Reb Weinberg's basic derech, modified over the years. Five things that everybody has to know. There's step one and step two, and once you understand about yourself, step one and step two, then those two steps will te- say there are three things you have to know about yourself. So what's step number one? Step number one, is, I'll try to say it over how we say it to secular people, and then how we say it over to Froom people. It used to be Harley. What's your name now? Still. Still Harley? In Muncie? All right. Step number one. Oh, and why it's important to understand what's, why you can take Asia Torah material, because Harley... Are you religious or secular? Religious. You hope you're religious. Rabbi Noach would say you're both. 
Do you have a Yetzirah? We don't go any. You want to go further? No. Every religious Jew is also secular. Rabid, what's your name? What's your name? First, first names only. Usher? Usher, are you, relig are you religious or secular? Yeah, he knows it both. Look, see the kid? Harley. See the guy? So try to get a handle on it. Step number one. First, the secular guy. What is the number one drive of every human being? So basic that it's the unbreakable you. Every human being has this drive, and every decision that every human being makes is based on this drive. It's so basic that is within that context. Every decision that every human being makes is based on this drive. What do you say? tells it. The pleasure drive. Hey, I thought that was Sigmund Freud. Yeah, Freud. Freud learned it in Hader, and then he goes makes a lot of money from it. The number one drive of every human being is to get pleasure, and it's so basic that you can't even break it. Every decision is based on your pleasure drive. Could you give me an example? Give me an example of the opposite. Give me an argument. Give me an example of a decision a person can make other than that which was made because this would give me the most pleasure. Self-preservation. What? Self-preservation. Self-preservation, so that you know, I'm asking, give me something other than that which would give him pleasure. A person makes a decision because it would give him more pleasure to exist than to not exist. Except for the person who commits suicide, but that's because the guy who commits suicide that makes a decision, it would give me more pleasure to not exist than to exist. The one thing you can't break is the pleasure drive. Pleasure meaning that which pleases you. Can you come up with it? Going to, the going to the dentist. I only go to the dentist because I've come to the conclusion that I would be better off going to the dentist. What's your name, young man? Chaim. Chaim, we're going to get to a little bit later, is that Chaim, because of something about him we'll get to in a few minutes, Chaim is thinking like himself. He's a smart guy. And Chaim is saying, what do you mean? You said people make a decision to get pleasure. That's because we'll see why you. How old are you, Chaim? How old are you? 45. 45. Because Chaim has the mistaken impression that if you want pleasure, you have to avoid pain. We'll go into that in a moment. But step number one. First name again? Kaufman. What? Chaim Zev. Chaim Zev. Everybody calls you both names or Chaim? CZ. 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 Okay. Who are you named for? Then nobody called him CZ. That. All right. Later we'll get into the question of are you a Jew or a Goy? We'll get to that too. But. So step number one, to understand yourself, every decision you make is based on your drive to get the maximum pleasure. Come on, give me a hard time. Give me, 
Any evidence opposite? Things of an ego, if you have an ego, it can counteract the pleasure that you get from, from base desires. Again, so you, other things, so you, there's some, Chaim Zev, when, how old are you? 25. Now let's go back. Chaim Zev was 10 years old, and he was playing with a friend of his in the house, and his mother said, can you, can you help me take out the garbage? No, not Chaim Zev. He's a good boy. But along comes, and, he, and his kids, the kid says, what, what does a kid say when his mother says, help me take out the garbage? So, what? I'm busy playing. Or, what's your name? First name? Ruby Stroll. Or another kid will say, sure, mom, let me help you. There must be a kid or two like that. Yeah? So one guy said, let me help you. The other one says, I'm busy playing. But they're both making a decision to get pleasure. In other words, why do you call one kid a good kid? Because he gets pleasure doing something good. Why, why do you call one kid not such a good kid? Because of pleasure getting done with other things. You can have Mother Teresa of Calcutta, we use in, in, in secular terms, or Adolf Hitler. They're very different people. You know what they all both had in common? They both did the things in life that gave them the most pleasure. She did what gave her, she did in life what gave her the most pleasure, he did what gave him the most pleasure. What you call somebody, based on your Value system, what you call a person good or evil, is based on what gives him pleasure. But each one is making decisions. What will give me the most pleasure? By the way, so now, in secular terms, you could bring up different evidence, but you're from Ireland. So tell me where, how do I know this from, from, from Chazal? No, because the Ramchal says in the first chapter of Mesil's Yesharim, what's the first chapter of Mesil's Yesharim? Chayva Sodom Bailama. Oh, that sounds so heavy. Chayva, a person's Chayva What is the second paragraph in Chayva Sodom Bailama? The most important thing is to know Man was not created for three different reasons. This is the most important, this is the next. There's only one purpose for which a human being was created, and that is to get the maximum pleasure from the infinite source. And by the way, based on what we know, makes sense. What's the one word that you would most use to define God? God. You've heard of him, no? You've heard, you've heard, you've heard, they talk about God here? And they tell, no, he tell the story, the Leviatsuk, the, the, the Every so often, you come in the base matters 12 midnight. You know, the work people would work all day, they'd come quick, eat, and then run for a few hours learning. And so often, 12 midnight, he'd give a clap and the, the shulk in the middle and say, Yidin, it's very nice you're learning to. Oh, but don't forget that there's a Rabban Shulman involved. All right, so sometimes we talk about God too. Give me the one word that most defines God. What? Good? good? Oh, yeah, what else? Can you give me another one? Omnipotent. Can you speak to English? Maybe I'm sick English. <laughs> Almighty. Omnip no limit in power. Almighty. Uh, Omnipotent. Okay. 
Oh, so I, I, something I have to remind you for the rest of my class. It's a very important point in my classes. Harley, whenever I ask a question, give me a one-word answer, God. And there are many possible truthful answers. We've just heard two of them. The correct answer is the one I'm looking for. So that's good, but keep going. God, one word. Loving. Loving. I'll give you a little hint. Chaimzev. Chaimzev. Would the word loving describe God to you? Yes. Does it describe your parents also? So give me a word that describes God that does not describe your parents. Infinite. Infinite. What I mean by God is the infinite source of all that exists that's finite. Not omni-everything. The infinite source. And I don't want to go through the, the fact that you can know, right? That in a world of cause and effect, it's the first cause that had no causes, right? The unbounded source. What I mean by God, the infinite source. Question. Israel. What I mean by God is the infinite source. Question. Israel, what can you do for God? What can we do? What can you do for God? Nothing. Excellent. And therefore, it's not, it's for who crawl but the Posik in If you sin, what is God missing? Nothing. If you do all the mitzvahs, what have you given him? Right. And therefore, Step number one is a very important point. If an infinite being creates a universe, he creates a solar system, creates the human race, or more important than everything, he creates me. All right, you too. I say bishvili nivro means me. You say bishvili means you. I'm here. He may not nearly mealy. He'll say everybody say, okay, I got it. What did he create me for? In, for what I could get out. I was created as a pl- with the pleasure drive, and really there's no other possibility. You see, if you have a, win- a rain god and a wind god and a sun god, why do they give you the, that stuff? So you should give them back what they need. It's a trade-off. As a, in other words, it's not just that there's one god who's infinite versus many or finite. You have many finite gods. Each one couldn't care less about you. Just you give me what I need, I'll give you what you need. Right? That's why Aristotle, Ariston, said it's absurd, it's crazy to talk about loving a god. Of course not, because say, oh, I love Macy's. Why? They gave me this nice clothes. You gave them the, you gave them the money. Oh, yeah, that's true. Why did you give them the money? You gave them the clothes. It's a trade-off. As opposed to a rain god, a wind god, a sun, well, you give him what he needs, he gives you what you need. If an infinite being, he needs nothing from me. So point number one, crucially important. I have to understand myself. Why do I have a drive to get pleasure? Why is it that everything I do right and everything I do wrong is based on? Because I was created to get the maximum amount of life. I was created to get pleasure. Everything we do right and everything we do wrong is based on that. Now, Chaim, Chaim, right? Chaim said before, yeah, but, but, uh, yeah, but sometimes you, you go to the dentist and it gives you pain. That's because you, we'll see in a moment, came into this world as a child, and a child thinks that if I want pleasure, what I have to do is avoid pain. 
right? And the truth is not so. I'm not going to get any personal. You go to a person with uh, how many kids? Ten kids in a family. Rabinyamin Kaufman, what's the greatest source of pleasure in your life? It's my children. Binyamin, what's the greatest source of pain in your life? The children. And they're not opposites. And if your parents had made the mistake that secular people make, saying, Children are a tremendous amount of pain. I will therefore, in order to get pleasure, I'll avoid pain. People have less and less kids. And they have less pain, and therefore get less pleasure. You're here to get pleasure. Don't get scared away by pain. You want a car that costs $30,000, you're willing to pay you $30,000 pain dollars to get there. Another car's worth 200000 Oh, you sure you pay my... Hey, have in mind what you're here for and be willing to pay the price for it. Just to give you where we're heading. Hi. Suppose you have a house, you're thinking of buying a house, and the house is worth a million dollars, but you could get it for half a million. Is that a good deal? Sure. But that million-dollar house, would you pay a million and a half for no, I'm uh, going to pay a million like that. But what would you pay a million and a half? I pay a million and a half for a three million dollar house. Yeah. Oh. But I wouldn't pay five million for a three million. Five million, I pay for a ten million dollar house. What would you pay anything for? What would you say, I'd pay anything I could possibly have for this? How much does it have to be worth? It would have to be worth infinite. We'll get to that later. Just understand, you always want to get a good deal in life. You just have to tell you how to get a good deal. So step number one we got in place. We're pleasure seekers. Every decision we make is based on the drive to get pleasure. There is no exception. A person who chooses to die for his principles says, I would rather die for my principles than live with the awareness that I sold out. No exception. All right, so now we understand where pleasure, everything we do is based on pleasure. Step number two. Okay, what tool do I need? What do I need most in life so that in my drive for pleasure, the decisions are more likely to work out well? I now understand I'm a pleasure seeker. I want to make the decision to get the most. What is this next stage? What is step number two? What do I need most so that the decisions I make will result in pleasure? What? No expectations. no expectations. Too late. You already have expectations. And you're already a pleasure. You're driven for pleasure. So your expectation is, I'm going to get pleasure from this decision. I want pleasure. What do I need most? Guidance. What? Guidance. Guidance. So remember, it, it's tr that's true, but not correct, because it's not the one I'm looking for. Knowledge of the plan. What? Plan. Guidance. 
a plan. One word. What would you say, Rabbi Yisrael? I said knowledge of the afterlife. It's too many words. <laughs> knowledge. You're getting closer. If I'd be fair, I'd give it to you already, Rabbi Yisrael. <clears throat> what? Emes. The search for Emes is the deep universal human awareness that the more we find out what is true, the more likely the decisions we make in that area will result in pleasure. Where's the, the most obvious example is science, really medicine. Take medicine. Why do we spend billions of dollars in continuous, a, a year in continuous research? Because we know that if I want my decisions in the medical sphere to work, to result in pleasure, I have to know many, more and more of the truths of how to, how to make decisions. You know, pleasure isn't enough. I have to know what's emis. The universal search for truth within every human civilization is the deep universal awareness that the more we know what is emis, the more likely our decisions will result in truth. The more I ignore what's emis, the more likely I won't get it. Are we making sense? Do you hear it? And the reverse is also true. The reverse is also true. I mean, that you can see it that the one thing that bothers us most is when we become aware that somebody's lying to us. The anger we have, and sometimes it could even, you know, because we're so off, a double negative will give us a positive. However, a person is naturally angry when they find out somebody lied to them, because if I was going to that, follow that falsehood as if it was true, it would be bad for me. You understand the natural feeling that we have. So now we have two things in place. Step number one, I am, we are pleasure seekers. Step number two, to get it, you have to find out what Sam is. Am I making sense? What's your name, young man? Surely. So I'm going to ask you, Surely. Surely. You want to find out, you want to get pleasure in life? Yes. And, Surely, you want to find Emma's in life? Works always works like that. Then you hear the thing. Hey, Fred, you want pleasure? Sure. You want Emma's? Yeah. Oh, a little bit hesitation. Smart guy. What's the hesitation for? To get pleasure, you gotta know what's Emma's. Oh, there to follow it along with us in terms of the last chapter in Hilchas Rambam's Hilchas Tshuva. That's Lishma. That's Loy Lishma. Loy Lemil Meradam Torah Shaloy Lishma. I want Tana. Gotta find out what's Emes. When Avram Avinu was searching to to find out, he knows the guys here. They believe in Avodah It doesn't make sense. Was he looking for God? What was he looking for? He's looking for what's Emes. What they believe is Shekhar. How did he know what's going to find? He didn't know it was a god at the end of the He knew, I got, that's Shekhar, it's a disaster. I got to find out what's Emmas. Here they do. Why then does Shirley represent every one of us? Where we want pleasure, we're not so sure we want what's Emmas. What? So let's look. So let's look and figure out. Take, there are 7 billion people on earth. And we're going to divide them in two groups. Group A and group B. Group A is a group that says, I want pleasure, and to get it, I want to find out what's emis. 
Group B says, I want pleasure, and the heck with them. I'm not into pleasure to me, it's whatever it feels like when I do it. When I do it, is it going to be pleasure? Fine, yes, that's it. Group A says, I want pleasure, and to get it, I want MS. Group B says, I want pleasure, and pleasure is whatever it feels like. Now, nah, I'm not interested in MS. What is the, give me a name, what do we call group A, and what do we call group B? Truly? Is it Eden and Goyim? What do you say? No, afraid not. Not to be Macatric or things? Is it men and women? Women and men? I don't know. No, it's not that. Who are these two groups? Observe it. Chaim? <laughs> the group who says I want pleasure and to get it I want Emmys they are the liars who, who is group A and who is group B Really? Adults and children. An adult, and we're going to come back to just a moment now, the Chaim. Adults and children. An adult, Chaim, Chaim. An adult says that, look, you're the one that set yourself up with the audience here. Perfect, perfect. Oh, oh, an adult is someone who says, to get pleasure, I got to know what's emes. Chaim. And, and, and child says, no, it feels good to. Chaim, you have kids? So you, you said you're 45. So are you an adult or a child? No. No. Don't go blaming your parents again. <laughs> Right, that's what the, the kids do that. Yeah. No, 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 no. Let me explain. Excellent, excellent. In other words, you say 45, kind of. Bye bye, bye. Look like a kid. Chaim, from 0 to 13, you were a child. The Rabbani Shalom himself did not demand of you to do the right thing because you wanted pleasure and you didn't know the important. What's Emma's? At 13, you became what? Okay. What? I can't hear. At 13, he became an adult. What's your name? Dovi. Dovi, did you become an adult at 13? Were you? Don't go blaming rabbis now, too. Yeah, that's wonderful. Listen to me. Dovi, did, at 13, did you become an adult? No. Did Chaim become an adult? No. So let's explain what happened. At 13, you became bar mitzvah. Bar mitzvah is someone, Dovi, that the Rabbanu Shalom activated an adult within you, but the child refused to leave. Doesn't that explain better who you are? Chaim is 45. That means he's Chaim and Chaim Incorporated. There is an adult 
there's a 45-year-old child that says, just do it, because he didn't go away when you, think about when you're 14, 15, he didn't go away. So you have a 45-year-old Chaim that continues saying, just do it, don't worry about what the MS is. But you have a 32-year-old adult Chaim that says, come on, guy, got to think ahead. Is that a better explanation of who you are? Chaim and Chaim Incorporated, every one of us, in which the, you have, there's an adult Chaim that says, think ahead, a child that says, just do it. And the child, in a world where you are both, the child is the father of the man. That's a saying, Montessori. In other words, the child is 13 years older than the adult. And in a world of first impressions being very important, very important, you begin to understand that you look in the mirror and say, I'm an adult. But the child is there looking back also. And the child way of doing things is 13 years older than your adult. Can we make sense? And therefore, to understand, everybody wants pleasure, step number one. To get it, you have to find out what's emis. You have to find out what's true. With those things, I, there are three things I can tell you about every one of us. Das Chaim is a good sport for us, so right? we'll come here. And that is, like every one of us, Chaim is both a child and an adult. Right? You're both? Which one are you more? Child, because for 45 years he had the part that says, obviously, Yitzhar Tov, Yitzhar are different levels. We'll, we'll see. The for 45 years the child said, forget about Emmys, for 32 years. Yeah. By the way, just what comes to mind? Which mitzvah in the Torah is the one that is most mesugal to almost, to force us to be adults? Which mitzvah in the Torah? Obviously, it's a matter of well, I'm the teacher, so I'm, I'm the, giving the talk, so I'll do what I think. Which mitzvah most forces you to be an adult? What do you say, uh, what's your name, Shruli? What's your name again? Usher. How old are you, Usher? 19. You married? All right. Which mitzvah in the Torah seems to imply most? forces you to be an adult, even though you're 13 years more of a child. Having children. In other words, there is nothing like a loving, having children that you love that forces you to be an adult for them. Nothing like having children. No. And the kid said, why, why do I have to do that? And you used to do that when he was your kid, but now you make him go to the doctor. Yeah. Picture. You take your three-year-old kid who trusts you, loves you. You take, the, the, the doctor takes out a needle. Ah, exactly. It starts yelling and screaming. And you go hold him down. And he looks at you like, says, what are you? Join the Nazis over here? I thought you're my father. But he's crying and yelling. He can't express himself. And the doctor says, hold him still. The kid says, let me out. Do you let him out or do you hold him? You hold him down. In other words, Chaim, the kid is sitting there saying, he hates me. You know you love him. There is no way to bridge the gap to explain it to your kid. Next time it happens, Chaim, listen carefully, and you see the, you'll hear the Ravansham laughing and say, Chaim, now you understand my problem with you. <laughs> you got it?
we, even when we know it now, but we'll only feel it in Eilam Emes. So at that point, we'll talk about Emes in a moment. We talked about Emes. This is Eilam Shekhar. That's home Emes. Ober, the Ravanisham. You think that the Ravanisham says, get married to populate my world? Uh, the Ravanisham creates the entire universe with all of its chokhmah. He needs you for the next 10 kids. Do you understand? The Ravanisham. Trolley, what can you do for God? Right. You know, he tells you to have 10 kids. He's not telling you what he needs. He's telling you what you need. Do you understand? The bunch of goes like this, creates another universe with another 7 billion people. Come on, understand. It's what you need. You hear? Kind of making sense? Okay, so we have three things in place so far. Step one, we are pleasure seekers. We think about the things we've done wrong in our lives because we're pleasure. But understand, okay, that's why you can do tshuva. That's what Rabbanisham understands. Obviously, just he's saying, but now you can be an adult. Come on, think ahead. Because everything we do wrong in life is also the warp, the mistake we make with our pleasure drive. That's what you need a tyra for, but we leave that out for the secular guys. I want pleasure to get, I got to find out what's emis. That's what we mean by tyrus emis. Not what you do for God, what you do for you. All right. So step number, the three things you need to know about yourself, just like Chaim, we are always, but we are both children and adults, and we are, if you're a man, you have been 13 years more of a child than an adult. If you are a woman, 12, year old, 12 years more. You can understand how destructive it is to be a child without being an adult. To understand the whole difference between men and women is that one fatal year, you know what I mean? But anyway, hold off. The second thing we need to know, this works even better for the secular guys, well, bear with me. Chaim, are you an animal or a human being? A human being. No. So I'll tell you, what? No, no, that's all right. That's all right. I like a guy with a good fight. You don't want to beat somebody you can't even fight back. All right. You are both. Now, I'll give you Remember, are you secular or religious? You're both. Okay. So I'm going to give you what we say to the secular guys, then we'll talk about the religious guys, and we'll see not much of a difference. I said to the secular guy, I said, you're not, what do you mean you're a human being? You never learned about Charles Darwin? Charles Darwin, the guy that we are part of the animal kingdom, that I hold Charles Darwin, Charles Darwin is a shtickle balmusser, you know what I mean? Really. Because in the 1800s, the Eden already came along and said, oh, we're all human beings. We don't need God. We don't need Torah to be nice people. We learned from the Germans. Allah mentions Zen and Bruder. It's uh, Schiller's poem, uh, to the Beethoven's Ninth, I believe. Comes along Charles Darwin is trying to teach a little Musser. Right? And, and Darwin said, actually, we're essentially animal. We're part of the animal kingdom. We are, and nowadays they say, a human being's genetic makeup is 99% the same as the higher animals. 1% difference. And what does Tyra say, Chaim? What? We are 
Darwin said there's a 1% difference. Tyra said not even 1%. Darwin gave us a little bit, you know, it was a little bit too positive about us. I guess because he never saw the 20th century or the 21st. <coughs> Zero. Or the Kotzker said, didn't say no other in a behemoth is oyin. No. You can say no to the behemoth. Over. You know, there's a, a mime about that that you say, well, we can speak. The animals also have. And you know, Shlomo Melech understood the the speech of the animals. So there was once uh, I mean, so if the, you can understand that, why didn't the Rabbani Shem allow us to understand the animals? Because the animals don't have a yetzer. So we wouldn't be able to stand the embarrassment of what they say about us. But I'll hold that off. Chaim, you are both animal and human being. And I hold that the, the <laughs> The, the Charles Darwin thing, forget about how God created the world. It works so well when you explain to a secular guy, what are you talking about? You have been an animal, according to your belief as a secular person, you have been an animal for millions of genetic years, developing yourself as an animal. We, I agree with it. I'm just saying that 5,775 years ago, God took a very highly developed animal and gave him a capacity to jump the gap from a very high finite being to connect to the infinite, to think it through, to understand, and to then, in a world where I want the most pleasure, go for the infinite. Or to make a bam and say, just give me a bone to chew on, and that's fine. But that's, you understand, on, that, on the level of Musr, that, that, char, that, that, that evolution works so well. We are the animals who can choose to be human. Chaim, you read the newspapers, is it's obvious that most people don't make it. Do you understand? All right. So now understand who we are. We have the dry, let's, let's picture. What are the two basic drives of a healthy male mammal? Food and reproduction, right? You begin to understand why the two biggest areas of Shulchan Aruch is on how to eat as a human being and how to have a relationship between men and women as, as a human being. Of course, if the basic drive of the behemoth is food and reproduction, obviously the, the two biggest areas of Tyra is going to have to be how to deal with your food drive, how to deal with your reproductive drive. Uh, you understand? I mean, figure out what's going on. It's really part of the same model. Hi, am I making sense? So, step number one. Once you know that to get pleasure, you have to find out what's MS. I am both a child and an adult, but much more of a child. Number two, I am both an animal and a human being, but much more of an animal. And Torah doesn't say, no, don't listen to that. No, Making sense? Number three. Chaim, are you an individual or are you part of a group? What? You're both? You're both? 
You're both individual and part of a group. True. Which are you more? Individual or part of a group? It's good. You see, you see both of them roughly the same. David, are you an individual? You're, you're both, but which are you more? Well, society, you know, uh, molds you. Chaim Zev? What? You're both sides. You're both sides. Surely. Individual. So I will posit to you that this is the most lopsided of all three. And that you are so massively the result of your group that there's kimat no individual there bichlam. Let me, let me look at thing. Hi. You're you. You made decisions, yeah? I mean, you made decisions and you're now 45-year-old you, yeah? What year were you born? We're going to look at Eilam Shana Nefesh, or in a little time, space, and people. What year were you born? 69. No, not 69. 1969. How do I know? Why do I say? Because suppo let's suppose you were born in 1869. And Rabban can run the world. You were born in 1869, and every atom of your body, every cell, was, is the same material it is now. You were born in 1869, and this is now... 1914, and you're a 45-year-old you, do you realize that there wouldn't be, you would be a totally different person? Because the times in which you were born determine so much of who you are. Do you see the idea? Or, let's say you're born in 869, and this is 914, and you were born, do you understand? The times that you were born in are so massive little input on who you are. Hi, does it make you here? All right, let's go to the next one. The place. Where were you born? So you were born in Brooklyn in 1969. What if you were born in um, Tokyo in 1969? Or Boise, Idaho? Or, you know, if you really want to get crazy. No, no, yes. No, 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 not your values would be theirs and not yours. Oh, there are Jews, there are Jews living in Boise, Idaho, who 200 years ago they were next door neighbors to your Zeta, 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 and they lived exactly the same. And one came Brooklyn, and the other one went to Boise, and that determines who they are. Allah fine Eden. You gotta know, in the hundred generations, in the hundred generations of the Jewish people, the difference between you, your family, uh, uh, Yiddish family, yeah? you know what I'm So your families have been part of, from Matan Torah till now, they were Shemar Mitzvahs. How about the Reformed Jew who's married to a Shiksa? You know how long they, they were part of Messiah? 
for the first 96 generation. They're between those 100 generations of yours and there's 96 is the one you're you and they're about to become going. Eden. That's why there are only 12 million Jews. If every, if from time of Matan Taratonah, every Jew is Jewish, stay Jewish. With all the killings of but everybody maintain the identity, there will be 250 million Jews in the world. This one goes here, this one goes there. You're born in Boise, Idaho, or your grandfather, two, three, two generations back. That's it. Quick story, like the one half. I was once doing a, a class at Asia Tyra, and it was a little early. It's kind of unusual for me. So we're talking to the students over there. And there was one guy, I don't know, so I asked him, oh, where are you from? I usually do that. Where are you from? I'm from Cleveland. Really, Cleveland? I'm from Cleveland, too. And then, I don't know what cop, I said to him, uh, yeah, my family, when did your family come to Cleveland? Said, in the 1920s. Said, wow, who was that? My great-grandfather came from Poland, because he's a generation younger than me, this student. He came, my great-grandfather came to Cleveland in the 1920s. Wow. Uh, because my grandfather came in the 1920s to Cleveland. Do you remember where, do you know where your grandfather came from in Poland? Yeah, a little town somewhere. I don't know what was right. He said, yeah, a place called Radomazowiec. That's where my grandfather came from. My grandfather, and it was then, you know, the, the, the things, they were trying to get people not to settle in New York, to other places. Listen to this. Oh, and then I went further with him. He's sitting there. He came from Cleveland. I came from Cleveland. His family's reform. He has a shiksa girlfriend. You know, nothing good news to report, by the way. So just, I said, look at this. From Matan Taira until the 1920s, 97 generation, if I'm generation number 100, so 97 generation from Matan till now, my 97% of my, my line and his line made the same decisions. They didn't become Misyavnim and they didn't become Ibdavaras and they didn't join Amon Amov and drop out into the Roman thing, to, didn't become Christian and become Muslim. For the last of 3,300 years since Matantara, for 3,250 or 3,200 years, my family and his family made the right choices. And then they go to Cleveland. And my Zayda decided to send his kids, because they didn't have yeshivas at the time, to New York, to Torvadas or Ernesto. And his father, I said, you know, yeah, my great grandfather, my, sent my grandfather to public school. And they, in other words, the guy was an Erl Chayid, his great-grandfather. However, he said to himself, look, I'm an Amoritz and I'm a good Jew. I'll send my kid to public school. What do I got to be? I'll send my kid to public school and he'll be an Amoritz. He'll be a good Jew. He didn't realize that what made him a Jew was 99.9% .9 his oilam. See, he thought it was him. Everybody thinks they're them. So look, I'm a good Jew, even though I'm Amoritz. My kid will be an Amoritz. He didn't realize that in Poland you had that oilam making your decisions. Not, and you didn't even notice it. Just like you didn't. He didn't notice it. So I'm going to send my kid to public school, and it must be that every Yid makes a decision to be a Yid. But he, for his son, he made a mistake, and he didn't give him the right oilam. Bam! I'm teaching at Eishat Torah, and he's marrying a shiksa. Because who we are is massively the result of the place that you were born and raised.
And then the third thing is the parent. What's your last name, friend? Leitman. Leitman. Yeah. So what if you, instead of born in Leitman's, you were born in Brooklyn in 1969, but not the Leitman's, to the Hernandez's of Brooklyn, or the Hayakawa's, or another group of Leitman's who were not from Eden. Bam! You were, in other words, more than the other two, you are, we are so much the result of the times that raised us, the place and the people, that the MS is, how do we find any individual at all? And that is, by going back to what Avraham Avinu said, said, I, I really, Baruch Hashem, they raised me on this. Now, I'm going to have to make the decisions based on what I can, I want pleasure, I have to make my, base my decision based on what I know is MS. Let me give you an example now of these things coming together. We know that in the last few years, last maybe decade or so, there are more dropouts. The entire world has more kids dropping out. So you could say, well, I don't know. People are making more childish decisions. They want whatever is now instead of later. Why? And people are making more behemish decisions. You know, I want to be a behemoth rather than a human being. I would posit to you that the Iker disaster is the third one. That when you had a world 50 years ago where the Goyim expected a certain level of decency, you found it much easier. If this is what the Goyim demanded of a human being, and this is what Tyra demanded, and therefore Ayid had to maintain that. Look, I mean, like you're talking about what's going on in the world in, in terms of... Uh, gay marriage and stuff like that. 50 years ago, a Jew says, I, I, well, it doesn't do any good to drop out of Yiddishkeit. The Goy will be, won't allow me anything like that either. The Goy didn't stand, all right, now I have to be, I feel you around. What I do, I do yes, I do no. And what happened is the Goyish floor that we were standing on without noticing it just collapsed. And now, a Jew, a young Jew, doesn't have to make a decision that he has to be from here to here. He has to make an entire decision to be a Yid. Do you hear? That that thing about the group versus the Yochid is probably has more input on people dropping out. I'm not saying that everything we're doing is fine. We could do better, we could do more. You should be, always be careful. We know the Rabban Shem is the one who created a world like that. The Rabban Shem is saying to us, I don't want you to depend on the Goyim to think you're such a good Jew. I want you to make tough decisions. All right, you're saying, but I don't want the Jews to kill me, to, to burn me at the stake because I'm, I'm a Jew. All right, you know what? I'll make you a deal, God says. I'm going to give you a world where the Goyim couldn't be nicer. You got kosher, you got shop. In Israel, politicians make their situation Politicians make their uh, political stand based on being anti-Semites. But in America, if in America any American politician would say the things that Israeli politicians say, they'd, they'd destroy their political... The Goyim here... Sir Bansham said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you a world where you can have kosher and Shabbos and the Goyim will protect your right to have yeshivas. 
And in return for that, I want you to make your decision. I want a world where you can be the biggest behemoth you want, or you can be a Jew. But I don't want somebody coming to me where the goy did 90% of the work, and he's going to say, well, look what a fine Jew I am. Is it making sense? They're going to leave you. Goy, I'm going to leave it. You can be the biggest behemoth, or you can be an erlachit. You make the decisions. Is making sense? Do you hear the idea, Chaim? Those are the five things we have to understand. Number one, I understand. I'm a pleasure here. God wants me to get pleasure. He just wants me to be an adult, long-term versus short-term. I am both a child and an adult. I'm both an animal and a human being. I'm both an individual and part of a group. Do you hear? We have to one last thing before we open for questions. One last time. Are you a child or an adult? No. I want a better answer now. It's not one word, but I want you to make take I want you to take personal responsibility for your life. And instead of saying I am both, I want you to take responsibility and give me the phrase that is better than both. <laughs> Once you know that you're both, then taking charge of your life means that the real answer is whichever one I choose to be. Yeah, but the goyim out there, they, they, they say they laugh so nice when I make stupid childish decisions. Don't go blaming the goyim. I am, between child and an adult, I can use Tyra to know what is the right decision for an adult, but I will be whichever one I choose to be. Chaim, are you an animal or a human being? Whichever one I choose to be. Don't go blaming a bunch of goyim around you. Whichever one I choose to be. Are you a yochid or a tzibur? Whichever you choose to be. Let me give you an example and then I'll open up for discussion. Now, I don't think I've ever davened here. Shabbat, it was a nice minion, so I'm not talking. Um, There are some shuls, when you go to shul, everybody wears a black hat. Yeah? Shabbos to wear a hat, yeah? A suit, a hat, yeah. They tell me there's such a thing, Chaim, that there are some shuls that people wouldn't be caught there without wearing a hat, yeah? And yet, some of them talk during Chazor HaShat. I'm not asking whether you ever heard of such a thing. I mean, whether you ever saw such a thing. But have you heard of such a thing? That a Yid who wears a hat, who would talk during Chazor HaShat. Now, I'm going to ask your learned opinion. Which does the Rabbanisham want more from you? That you should wear your black hat or that you shouldn't talk during Chazor Sashat? 
shouldn't talk the, and Chazorah says Shabbos. Right? The Mechaber says, and whoever talks during Chazorah says Shabbos, what? He's a chayte. V'godol avonim insoy. He doesn't say those words on Chil Shabbos. V'godol avonim insoy. V'godol You should yell at him. I asked Reb Nevensal in the Rova. You should yell at him on the spot and in his very dry sense of German, German sense of humor. So, well, don't yell at him because if you yell at him, then when you're talking, he'll yell at you. Better not to nowadays. Okay. Now, what is that? Right off the bat, what does that tell you? When the Mechaber says, in anybody who talks, he's a chayte, the gorim boy. To me, that tells me that means to people were talking during Chazor's shots by him also. That's what I guess, right? However, your macabre idea that not talking is much more important than wearing the hat, right? So why is it that you'll find Yidin who would be careful not to leave the hat behind and they talk during Chazor HaShashat? Because they are more of the group than they are as a yochid. My group wears a hat, I'm going to wear a hat. My group talks during Chazor HaShashat, so I'll talk during Chazor HaShashat. See, when I ask, are we from or from? Everybody is both from or Everybody is both orthodox and reformed. The reform guy does what his island does, and an orthodox guy can do what his island does. Am I making sense? Am I making sense? Okay. To understand what's, you know, what's... That the best element of what we can do for ourselves in Kiruv is... So not only to make a difference to other people, but to learn from people who learn from scratch and really, really, really makes a difference to them. Not because they didn't learn it. Tom Cowan and his kids, okay, so we do it. Quick story, but way back. Rebnoyer told the story. A guy was over his, oh, a guy came to him, you know, he used to send out Asia Torah guys to, you know, Asia families. One guy came and says, I don't want you to send any more Asia Torah guys to me for Shabbos. So Ramana said, he wanted, Oy vey, who knows what they talked about. It. What happened? He said, well, we were talking at the house. Everything was nice at the table. Until all of a sudden, the guy, in one break in the conversation, the guy says, uh, tell me, uh, Rabbi, uh, what you were just talking about, you just said, uh, he said, Mamash Bitmimus. Was that Lashon Hara? The table is silent. And the Baal says, yeah, yeah. Ah, silence. The guy with total Tamima says, my rabbi, I think my rabbi told me that speaking Lashon Hara is worse than eating pork. Is that true, rabbi? Yeah, Tamima, Tamima. So. Silence. I said, yeah, yeah, that's, that's true, it's more. Rabbi, do you eat pork also? <laughs> Tamimus, total Tamimus, nice guy, didn't we? And so Rabbi Neuch said, I'm going to send this guy to you every week. He's coming to you. <laughs> to understand those elements. And I'm telling you, short term, it'll bother you. Oy, I'm, I'm can be so easily a child. I'm so easily a behemoth, so easily I'll do whatever the group does. I'm telling you, though, every from a yid, when you hear, understand that, 
you're actually going to feel better about your weaknesses. Because you'll understand, if you think you're a frumayid, who's a hypocrite because you're doing so, no, you're not. You're a frumayid who's also fry. Everybody is. To understand, the Bechira Chavshiz says, once you know you're a child or an adult, Bechira Chavshiz says, which one am I? I'm whichever one I choose to be. Bechira, am I an animal or human being? Yeah. Bechira Chavshiz says, I'm whichever one I choose to be. Am I a the or part of a tzibur? Whichever one I choose to be. Remember, you cannot stand alone. You need an alternative oilam to be with. But it's not enough. You also have to be enough of a yochid that even when your oilam makes a mistake. It's a very careful thing. And in the end, we'll feel really much more capable of being masakin things in our own lives when we understand that we are both and we have the capacity to be whichever one we choose to be. Any questions? Statements? Applications? Harley? How do you understand uh, the uh, Jew comes from Chickasha, Oklahoma? Who? Chickasha, Oklahoma. You? No. Okay, go ahead. Yeah? Uh, with understanding the peer pressure, or the, or the, or the, that, that, that person becomes from. That, and the person becomes from. Yeah. A situation where it's, it's, you know, there's no, like, the parents are not from, but all of a sudden they. No. I get, I'm not sure what the question is. The question is, we, we are we're guided by, the, by our surroundings. The Rabban Shem has Rachmanus. The Gemara says that every day a Yetzir gets stronger. Me and you also. No matter how from you are, Yetzir gets stronger every day. If not for the Rabban Shem helping you, you wouldn't be able to do it. Now, obviously, the idea of tshuva is such a ness. Tshuva is such a nes that you had people like, like the time by Chizkiyah Melech, when, what was, uh, what was Chizkiyah Melech's, who was the Rosh Yeshiva there that had more yeshivas than Chizkiyah? Shevna, Shevna Sefer. And he went and ran out, went out, he, he said, no, it's not possible what Yeshaya Novi says, that we're going to, that we'll have a nes. Because he just couldn't be he understood the chaymer achet. He said, "That's it. It'll another work." And he went out to try to, and they and they killed him. Shevna. Shevna was he had more yeshivas than chizkio. If we would understand what it means, tshuva is the biggest ness. The ability to one at any particular point to redefine yourself and create a different you. So, you're saying, how do I understand that? I don't have to. The Rabbanishim created a world. Remember, that guy in Oklahoma also, you're looking at him as a yachid. Then he's also 99% tzibur, but he's also a past tzibur. He comes from a lot of er l'chayidin. He only, you only see him, he only sees him. But the Rabban Shem knows that part of him is his boobies, boobies, boobah, who was a special Yidna, and now she goes to Rabban Shem and say, hey, Rabban Shem, I did extra stuff. I was, uh, I didn't, I want you to take care of my, my anicles, anicles, anicles. I, I can't, I can't break the rules. I mean, all right, you don't have to break it. Just bend it a little. Who knows? He has a, 
a, a friend goes to Eretz Yisrael, he goes with, he goes by Shatira, he goes to a class. Uh, he still has to make decisions. Over. Baruch Hashem, the Frayid also is 99% of the result of his group. Not only is he so much like the Goy around him, he also has 97 generations from Matan till now, which up until the few generations before they moved to Oklahoma is part of him also. Rabbi Chaim Zev. Yeah, I used to think that say, a, a person was um, like an exclusive production of, of God, but really a person is just an animal who just has like a soul added, added, added to, added to the animal, right? It's not like man was wasn't the was wasn't. It's just like ninety nine percent, or you're saying hundred percent animal, and it just happens to have like a soul or a bechira or something like that. Uh, so really, the Dharma is really right, just that he has also this soul. First of all, Ezel Chochma Adam is number one, and Chochma Bagoim Tamin. And remember, he came after Kohelet. To figure out what you could learn from him, you are. I don't want to go into too much detail, but Adam Arishon was the perfect balance. Adam Arishon, you are a combination of Guf and Neshama. Adam Arishon was a combination of Guf and Neshama, so perfect. It's like picture a rider on a horse. The rider is 150 pounds, the horse is 900 pounds. And yet the rider makes a decision, the slightest squeeze on the horse as it's running, the horse knows when to jump, when to stop, when to turn. The perfect connection between a big behemoth who follows directions totally from the much lighter human being. You can see it by Adam Arishon because Adam before the Chet was naked. One of the ways to see it, supposing I would go up to Adam, I go back in a time machine, I say, Adam, you're totally naked. One way to see it, he looked down, look up and said, that's not me, that's my goof. Adam understood he was a neshama. His goof is his horse. Did you ever go horseback riding? Way back, I'm not going to blame you when you're in yeshiva. You want to win horseback riding. Picture a guy horseback riding. Is he wearing clothes? But I walk up to him. Oi, aren't you embarrassed? That horse is totally naked. He'd say, that's not me, it's my horse. That was Odom before the chet. You say, Odom, you're naked. That's not, I'm Odom. I am the neshama. That's my, my, the horse is naked, not me. I'm the neshama. You know something went terribly wrong when as soon as he ate from the tree of confusion, ate a das is really tree of making confusion, he said, Oy vey, I'm naked. Picture a bunch of them said, Oy vey, he thinks that's him. Mm. Rabban Shem said, if you eat from that tree, you're going to die. Does your neshama die when, when you die? No. If you're, the neshama that's you doesn't die, but to the extent you think you are the body, yeah, that's the part that dies. It has to, because how else are you going to remove from the fact of who am I really? Once a person dies, he's totally aware of who he is as opposed to be the, hey, what are they doing burying me? Wait a second, I'm looking at You have to know who the real you is. That was a machlaikis between Reb Noach, Reb Noach, uh, Reb Weinberg and his brother, Yaakov Weinberg, or Shiva Nei Stroll. 
They had fantastic machlokes in on Indian of Dakus. Reb Noyach said, one of his arguments is, what is the, what, who am I? Am I the neshama? Am I? So Reb Noyach said, I am the neshama. I am the neshama. The goof is not me. I am the neshama. Reb Yaakov said, no. You are, we are the combination of the two. That unique combination. That's who we are. Now, what do you think, Chaim? Are we the neshama or are we the combination? So I say we're both. That it works like this. Really, mi'ikaradin in pure theory, we are the combination. How do we know? Like Rabbi Yaakov said, because let's suppose Adam, you know, now a person dies and is goof and goes to Adam and Shamas. What if Adam had eaten from the right tree and there would never be death? So there would never be, there's no such thing anymore as a goofer and a shamakil. It's always permanent. It's like I ask you, which is the real you, the right side or the left side? I mean, it's just one combination. So Rabbi Yaakov said, if you're living in a world where had he not done the hate, there would never be death. So there would really be never, all you are is the combination. And that's why the highest level of reward is not Oilam and Neshamas. The highest level is Tchiyas So Mi'ikradin, it's likely we are the combination. But the only, it, just like the Rambam says, normally you, you have derechem tzoi in life. But when you make a mistake, when you fall into chet, you have to go to the other side in order to be, rebalance it. So I think I'm looking at Rabbi Noach and Rabbi Yaakov the same way. Enechanami, we're both. But in a world where we are so much more, see ourselves, the frum guy. Hey, do you have a neshama, Chaim? Uh, Chaim, did you feel hungry earlier today? Yeah. See, he's a girl and both ways he identified himself. See, only a goof can say, I have a neshama and I, I was hungry. If you would be the, the, the neshama, you'd say, I am a neshama and my goof was hungry. And as we are so tilted because of the chet adam region to see ourselves that the goof and me are the one and the same, in practical terms, in theory, we are both. In practice, like the Rambam says, that when you go to Chet, one thing you have to go to the other side. Rabbi Noach says, I am the Neshama, because that's the one that needs your representation. I am the Neshama, I've got to remember that's who I am, in order to rebalance things in, my, in the decision making. To look at yourself as the Neshama. The goof, your goof doesn't need any representation. For every one person who dies from not eating, is a thousand people who die because we eat too much, right? So, See in those terms. Other questions? Rabbi Harley. Rabbi Weinberg in Israel. What does he say when the body is buried? He's buried also then? No. No, it's when you're, that's what dies. In other words, you are both. Person died. You're going to have to read here through more of his tapes. And what died is buried, and what does not die is not buried. Does this mean we're running late? <laughs> <laughs>
But does that, does that mean part, the person's buried as well? What's it, what happened to that? Hey, go look up. Another, not to go into now. Very good to go into. Yeah, one, one last one. What's your name? Adam. Adam, how you doing, kid? Yeah. The Rob mentioned this idea of the, the floor in broad society falling down lower. It's not likely to turn it around anytime soon. Yeah. And, and one possible consequence, one consequence you referenced, was the idea that more from being growing up in, in the frum world were going off in there, right? In other words, if you take a thousand from kids and you offer them ten dollars to be Michal Shabbos, you know, man, hey, well, kid will do wait, kids are, you offer them a thousand dollars, you offer them a million, you offer them a billion. Is the more the world offers them, the more they say, I don't know if I really believe in God. I mean, because it's, it's amazing when, when the guy really comes, he looks up there, yeah, but this one said this one said that. You start asking him, cautious, on the atheist position, you never even thought to be, you're a bright guy. Why didn't you ever think of that? Because he didn't want to think about it. You're just lining up, and he doesn't know it himself. I'm not saying he's lying to me, or he wouldn't even come to talk to me. He's lining up, he feels so uncomfortable. That's why Jews are more likely to be atheists than Goyim. Because a guy can say there's a God and still kill people and work for the mafia, no problem. A yid requires a certain amount of consistency. So a yid has to convince himself there's no God. <clears throat> but when you ask him for the things, and you look, what do you answer to this? Oh, I didn't think of that. What do you mean you didn't think? You're a smart guy because you didn't want to think about it. It's just that a Jew, in order to be consistent, says, I don't believe in God. Now, okay, now I'm feeling much better. So I think it would be fair to say that one other reaction to this floor dropping out is greater insularity in the front world. The front world is moving further and further apart, more separate from, from the non-Jewish world and the non-Front world. Of course. In other words, they're not moving. First of all, even if they didn't move, they'd be moving. Because the other guy is falling through the, 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 the floors. So even if you don't move, you're further. But the Rambam says, and it works for a Yochid, it works for a Tzibur, that when, you fall in, when an Eilam falls into a Chet, you have to go to the other level. Yeah, you have to create something. I don't want to go into too much. In Mishle, it says, Matzref Zav Lekor Lekesef, or the opposite. V'ich Kefi Mahalaloi. That when you live in a world... Everybody should be, you are who, whose praise you're trying to earn. To the extent you're trying to earn the praise of the fry person, you're giving him the power to determine part of who you are. And therefore, in a world where where we want to get the praise of sir, yeah, whose praise we want will determine who we're going to be. Continue. So are we running the risk by, by moving away, A, of taking the easier path, because we reference the idea that Shem wants us to be able to see that lower world and make the effort. He doesn't want just that 90 to 100. He wants us to make that effort. And B, are we... Are we I'm not sure what the question... I'm not sure what that question is. The Rebunsha wants you to make the effort. I, I think you're the idea that he doesn't want it to be easy where... The, the Goyesha world is at a high level. We just barely have to kind of skim above it. Right. So by, by insulating ourselves more and more in reaction, are we taking sort of the easy route? No, no. So you have to understand, that's like saying, why should I send my kid to yeshiva? You know, what? that's the easy way. Let me send my kid to Catholic school. And if he's going to be a good Jew, then I, you don't have to go like this. You're supposed to take the easiest route to succeed. 
Don't say, I want, you know what? It's no big deal to be a doctor going to med school. I'm going to go to law school, see if I can become a doctor. Again, first, you've got to figure out how to achieve your goal. You have to know that you are being affected by that world. And you do have to do something to deals with that effect, dealing with that effect. I, it's very complicated, but you can't tell yourself, yeah, I'm going to go uh, do God knows what, with what God knows what kind of people. You have kids? All right, so figure out what you want for your kids. That'll be enough for you to tell you who those kids should be hanging around with and who those kids should not hang around with. Because even the, the black family in America who wants their kids, so they move away from the drug-infested area, they want a place that they can raise their kids. I mean, everybody knows that. If you want something positive for your kids, you'd better provide for your kids role models who represent the kind of lives you want them to lead. And I once, I was, you know, I once heard some, some of them, um, guy in more modern orthodox, I said, listen, it's no big kunz. They have a beard and a payas and a long coat and everything. And the guy looks at you like a freak. And I, that's not a kunz to be a Jewish. Uh, the kunz is to be with them. So you know the story about the grow, I believe. So that the grow used to get musr from the Dubna Magid. And one time Dubna Magid said, oy vey, it's time for him to go. And I can't think of anything he's off on. Like, I didn't spot anything. But if I tell him I didn't spot anything, so it'll make a little gayus maybe, and I, I got to think of something to criticize. Yeah, I got it. Went in, he said, listen, I want you to know, to be a Vilna Gon the way you're doing is Nishkan Goise Kunz. You sit there with Talis and Trillin all day, and you sit in the, in the base meadows, you're learning. Go out in the marketplace and deal with money and handle and sell people to their wives and their daughters. Then it would be a Kunz to be a Vilna Gon. But the way you're going, it's not Nishkan Goise Kunz. The girl says, Skenzai, you're probably right, but who said the Rabanshan wants me to be the villain to go in with a kunz? Maybe he wants me to be the villain to go in any way I can. Rabanshan wants you to be a good Jew. Understand that everybody's affected by their world, and you can't <coughs> avoid that. You have to create an alternative sviva. Story, another one I remember from Cleveland. My Zeta was a rov in Cleveland. Um, the Tel Yeshiva started there in 1941. The two Rosh Shivas, Rav Katz and Rav Bloch, they were stuck in America when the German invasion of Russia. And they started the Yeshiva, so, and they were brother in laws also. And after about a year there, one said to the other, he said, You know what? We know everybody's affected by the world. I've been amazed how I haven't been being affected like America. My Lavush is saying, my davening, learn. Then I'm wondering why I'm not being affected by America. And the other one says, I'm oh, my entire breeder. Brooder. He said, I've been noticing lately how much you've been changing in America, but I didn't think that it affected you so much that you didn't think you were changing. <laughs> you know the two rules, I think. The two rules in the business. Rule number one, the boss is always right. Rule number two, in case the boss is wrong, please refer back to rule number one. 
In case you think you're not, please refer back to rule number one. Figure out what you want for your kid and do whatever is necessary to get it. And actually, to also know that whatever we do, we each give we like being praised by others. So whenever we do things that may not make sense in that, it's because we are also both from and fry. I mean, every from me is both from and fry. Okay, thank you very much. Yeah.